0: This is a story about a girl named Lucky. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Eco Chic. I hope you are doing so well today. We have got a really cool episode today. We're speaking with Amanda Gunawan. Amanda is a founding principal at OWIU, an architectural design company focused on innovative approaches. We're talking about sustainability and mindful spaces today, really developing spaces that are minimal, are thoughtful, are conscious to your lifestyle and to the environment and are really built to last and to evolve with you. Like a lot of people, I love looking at beautiful spaces and really appreciating a well-designed room, home. I love like looking at a finished product on HGTV, but I think what's so special about this conversation with Amanda is that we're talking about both architecture and design, as well as the way that people are interacting and truly living in a space. There is so much more to thoughtful design than just creating a beautiful room or creating a really beautiful building, stepping away from trends, and really honing in to a person, a family, really honing into the way that this space is meant to be lived in day in and day out. Amanda was born in Indonesia, grew up in Singapore, and now lives in Los Angeles, where she obtained her bachelor's degree in architecture from Southern California Institute of Architecture. Amanda has quite a diverse background, and I think that really feeds into her philosophies that we're going to discuss later in this episode. She worked in urban planning and design at the Urban Redevelopment Authority of Singapore, which oversees master planning for the country. And she also has a strong social media presence and has created a lot of creative content for big-name brands. Amanda was named one of the architects to watch by Design and Architecture Magazine in 2022. This conversation really got me thinking deeply about the way that I interact with spaces, but more largely how we are conditioned to think about buildings and rooms and the relationships that we have with our built environment. Amanda has really great energy, I must say. I really loved talking with her and getting to know her and getting to know the values that she really brings into every project that she's involved with. So I feel like you're really going to like this conversation. I make a comment that I feel like thinking about spaces more deeply is really taking our conscious consumption to the next level. It's not just about what you're buying, but how you're living with each piece that you're inviting into your home or each element that you're inviting into your space. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and make sure that you're subscribed wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can rate, you can review, and just tell one friend about this show. I know I normally say share it on your Instagram story, tag me at Podcast. but if you enjoy this episode, it helps me so much. If you just share it with one person, one friend who you think will really value this conversation as well. Quick housekeeping. I mentioned during the last episode that for our 200th episode, I'm inviting on folks to share their favorite creative sustainability tips. I originally said just go ahead and email me a little mp3 of a minute or two, you introducing yourself and introducing your tip, but I've gotten some feedback that folks would really like to chat or that they don't want to do it on their own. So if you would like to schedule a call to speak on the 200th episode of Eco Chic please do send me an email and let me know what you'd like your tip to be about. So it doesn't have to be super specific, but it can be anything at all. So if it's a sustainability tip on food, on fashion, on involving your community, on anything like that, I want to hear from you. And you can find my email in the show notes, or you can get in touch with me on social. Let's jump right into today's episode with Amanda Gunawan of OWIU Design. Enjoy. Amanda, welcome to Eco Chic. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited to talk to you today because this is a topic that I'm personally really interested in, but I don't think that we've explored in depth on the show before, so I feel like this is going to be a lot of fun. Talk to me, Amanda, a little bit about your cultural background, because I feel like your upbringing must have a great influence on your philosophies right now.
1: I like you, like I've traveled a lot, like I've moved around a lot. So I was born in Indonesia and then I moved to Singapore when I was about like five or six. And then I grew up in Singapore and I came here to LA for college and I've just stayed here ever since. It's been 10 years now. And I think it definitely contributed a lot to the way that I work or like my philosophy, just my approach to life. And I think it was really good to have the best of both worlds, kind of like growing up in Singapore, everything was more structured. Maybe this is a controversial opinion, but as a kid, I feel like you want some type of structure, you want some type of guidance. And I got that when I was in Singapore. Some people would argue it was a little too much structure, but I did enjoy that. Like, especially since I kind of moved to Singapore, like circumstantially, right, because there was like all these riots going on in my home country. And like my parents felt it was unsafe to raise children there. They had to move us to Singapore, but... They had to live in Indonesia, basically, because their work was still there. And so I kind of like in some ways grew up with like very little parental guidance. And so being in a place like Singapore, because there was so much structure, like it helped to really solidify my characters, my values without needing like that parental figure per se, like I had the education system to kind of provide that for me, basically.
0: How did you get into architecture? it's funny. Like
1: I, I tell this story so many times when I was younger, like I think I was in grade four. I don't know if that's eight years old. We had this like essay writing class, but it was English class. And you just have to like free write a certain topic. Your teacher would give you a topic to write about and would pick like a bunch of like random kids to stand up and read their essays. And so on that day was what I want to be when I grow up. And, I had like got, gone selected and I stood up and I like read to the entire class. And I was like, I want to be a real estate developer. I was like eight years old and my teacher was just like, okay, everybody, no, I don't think anyone was listening to me. Let's be honest. I don't think any of the kids were even listening. I didn't think much about it. I don't know how I wanted to be a real estate developer. I don't know where I even got that term, but I know that it was talked about during parent teacher meeting. My teacher like spoke to my parents and was like, did you know that your daughter wants to be a real estate developer? And they came home and they kind of like brought it up to me and it became like kind of like a family joke because it was something that was brought up between aunties and
0: uncles. That's really funny. So you were kind of always on this path of at least working in spaces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I think I knew from a very young age that I was given like the creative liberty to like express myself because I had so much freedom from that, like, I guess, lack of parental guidance per se. I had all these books and I had all these things and I enjoyed like learning. But then I slowly found out that like the way that I expressed all of my creativity was visual. And that was my means of communication. That was the best way for me to express my emotions and everything that was pent up. I'm good at like analyzing the world, but then the information, like I like to take it out like visually. And so with that, I kind of realized that it was very congruent with architecture and spaces.
0: Interesting. And what's the connection between architecture and perhaps interior design for you? Like where does that linkage happen in your understanding of how people interact with spaces?
1: I think that interior design is part of architecture, but architecture, it's a larger whole. It's, um, I think interior design is a little component of architecture. So I think architecture, it's an entire system. Like the way that I would view it as architecture is entire system that creates like a building or a house, Right. And so this system is composed of structural elements, it's composed of plumbing, et cetera, et cetera, that like basically makes this entire system called an architecture. And interior design is one part of it. And I guess it's like the more glamorous fun part compared to like obviously
0: plumbing and electrical I feel like interior design is so immediately visible to people, of course, because that is what they're immediately seeing when they walk into a space. That when you go a little bit further and you're living in a space and you're truly analyzing how you're interacting with rooms, with the layout, with all of these like smaller little features that are not as immediately visible, it gives you a very different sense of either appreciation or, you know, distaste, I suppose for the physical environment that you're building your life in. And so mm-hmm. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about mindful design. I feel mm-hmm. like you have a really interesting philosophy about spaces and how we can interact with spaces more mindfully. The name of our firm is OWIU Design, and it's an
1: abbreviation for only ways up. And I think that's truly like the philosophy in which we kind of just live our lives, but also our philosophy towards design and architecture and spaces. And people immediately think, okay, well, the only way is up. That sounds really progressive. That sounds like it's all about growth. So is it not antagonistic with the word thoughtful, but it actually isn't right? Because you define what growth is, but at the end of the day, an upward movement is not always just like a straight like gradient up, right? It's not like a smooth gradient, just about going up, up, up all the time. It's really about your own process. But at the end of the day, like it's what roots the design that truly can set you up the best for the future. So when we say the only way is up and we think about thoughtful design and progressive design and we build spaces that are built to evolve, that's what we mean. It means that we are thinking about the future, which in itself is very sustainable. I think we mentioned this before we even recorded this, that like, um, like you can buy yourself into sustainability. There are so many ways in which, um, especially in architecture and construction, like people just throw in these terms or like there are all these awards and stuff like that. So if you put a solar panel in your house, does that mean you are sustainable? And I think that with any problem in itself, if you think about the word sustainable, it means to build something for the future, right? You're thinking about the future. So you need to start from the root of it itself. And that is where mindful design comes in.
0: That's a really interesting way to define it. and I like the example of solar panels because you're right, sometimes there is kind of this token... Um, you know, like thing that you can purchase or thing that you can include in your home. And it's really easy to say like, now I've done it, now I'm sustainable. Mm -hmm. But it's really about the way that you live day-to-day in that Mm -hmm. space and how you are evolving with it. And I like the term evolve with a space because I feel like that's not something that I hear very often. So could we talk about that a little bit? Like what is a design that can evolve with a person or with a family?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Like I always say that like, we're aiming to build spaces that are not just built to last, but built to evolve. What that means is that we would honor the past, right? Like we would, of course, honor past and context and kind of take that and create this space, but also leave it like empty enough in order for it to evolve with the person using the space. So this person would then inject like their personality or like the way they want to grow with this space. Versus just giving them a space that is completely designed by me and like, it's done, right? And just live in it. There's no opportunity for that growth. But again, that kind of thinking is very future-oriented. You're already predicting for the future.
0: And when you say there's a situation where perhaps an architect could come in and kind of pre-designate the home and the way that it's being used... In my head, I'm immediately thinking of maybe there's a funky layout and there's like a predestined office space or a predestined like play space for a child. Is that what we're thinking of when we say pre-designated spaces? Or when we say evolving with the space, is it just like a big open concept room that you're breaking up? Like, what does that look like? What is a space that's evolving with you? I'll give you an example of a project
1: that we worked on. One of our later projects, like I think it was beginning of this year, we took this house. It was like a mid century modern house. And this was one of our development projects. So we helmed like the project um, on our own. And so we found this mid century modern house. It was really torn down. Like it looked like it was abandoned already, like not taken care of at all. But we were able to kind of go in and really fall in love with basically. character of it right like i could really see how it was valuable in the past and it was just in this state currently because it was not kept well we really wanted this house and we fought with like developers who would basically tear it down and build something new because that land was so valuable land in la is generally just so valuable so anyway we ended up getting the house and then we basically took like the essence of this mid-century modern house and tried to inject like new things into it that we now can do because of what we have available, right? The technology that's available now that's not available then. But then we also didn't want to lose like the intention, the initial character that this architect had for the space. And so we made sure to preserve all of that. And we kind of call this development process in our own terms, sustainable development, where we believe it's like the sweet spot between renovation and preservation. But at the same time, we didn't fully design the entire house such that like it was not able to grow with the next person. So we left it pretty empty, like setting things up for the person to come in and change the landscape or leaving the plan really open so that if they wanted to come in and they wanted to put barricades and walls, there's a way to do it. But basically allowing that growth, predicting that future already. So you're basically setting that up. You're setting the canvas up such that you did not fully design this like it's a museum or like a church where it's like, okay, Every alleyway is like this and this and this.
0: That's a really good example. Okay, wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Quick break to tell you about our sponsor today, Dame. Here's the deal. Having a pleasure practice is good for you. It can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de-stress, relieve pain, and give you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. But most importantly, exploring pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with yourself and learn more about what you like. So check out Air, the suction vibrator from Dame Products. Air is a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. Or if you're looking to share pleasure, Dame Products has also designed Eva, the first hands-free vibrator for couples. Boost pleasure and connection with a little toy that won't get in the way. Designed to enhance, not distract from pleasure, Eva is your sex life's new best friend. And whether you go with Air or Eva or both, Dame Products also has sex oil, an all-natural full-body massage oil formulated with arousing ingredients that you should definitely check out. The best part is that Dame offers hassle-free returns within 60 days, so satisfaction is literally guaranteed. Go to dameproducts.com and use code ECOCHIC today for 15% off site-wide. That's ECOCHIC to take 15% off your first order at dameproducts.com I'll have the link in code in the show notes. Now back to our combo. Even in the concept of land being valuable, I think that's interesting because we spoke a little bit about this earlier, but I'd love to talk to you about trendiness and the belief that a lot of us have because of the popularization of HGTV flipping homes, that there's Mm -hmm. this ability for anyone to just go into a home and renovate. And I feel like that's a little bit of a dangerous trend that's going on oh right now, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Like individual flippers, home flippers versus the way that you think about spaces and think about renovation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I would say the danger is the the stress that it's going to cause. Like, I think that People don't realize how difficult it is to do that. It's like a whole different ballgame. Like there are degrees for this for a reason. No one would ever think like I'm not going to call a plumber because like I'm going to fix my own pipes and do everything myself. Right. Because that's such a specific trade. But then somehow with architecture and interior design, there are people who feel like, oh, like I feel I can do this because what they see is really just on the surface. But again, like if we go back to architecture as an entire system, then you realize that all these things come in and the interior design and the aesthetic part is just what you see, basically. But when you strip all of that down, there's really a lot of layers to it. Like you, do you actually know what, what is holding your wall up? Do you know all the different options? What about flooring? Not everything is possible. And then you end up running costs, right? And like it becomes really inefficient because you made the wrong moves because you didn't have a professional telling you what to do. And so that I would say is the danger in it. And it ends up somehow becoming pretty unsustainable too. It's a waste of your time, your energy. And also you would end up wasting materials because sometimes you'd make the wrong moves. So that's the danger in it. But The execution, yes, you should hire a professional, but the process itself is a house for you. So you should definitely take your time with it. I really believe even as we're working with our clients, like, and we're designing for their homes, the process is really for me about getting to know my clients. It's almost like a therapy session for design. And I'm just trying to get to know them. I'm trying to get to know their lifestyle. I'm trying to get to know what they like and what they don't like. And when they feel hesitant and they're like, I don't know if this is what I want and that's what I want. Like, I'm not sure. Like, we're kind of guiding them through that process of self-discovery in terms of design. And then when we finally get to that, it's about translating who they are and how they want to live in their space into the space.
0: Interesting. I hadn't thought very in depth about the client facing portion of your work, but that makes sense that it's so important to connect with people because if you are looking for a space that they can truly evolve in and grow with over time, you have to get to know them and their goals Mm -hmm. and the way that they live their lives. And it's really intimate to think about spaces that way. I know spaces are kind of inherently intimate. They're personal but thinking about design in that sense of like being truly unique to the person is also really powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the most important part in my job. And I think that people are always like, Oh, what type of architecture do you do? Like, are you like, do you have a specific look? And I'm like, No, that's the thing. I'm not, I don't have a specific look. I don't believe in like a specific aesthetic. Trends will always change. And as you keep going, you're going to find new ways of doing things. And that's going to produce different results. And you're going to end up falling in love with different things. And you're going to evolve, right? In terms of aesthetics. But what I do strongly believe in is creating thoughtful design. That's my job. Whatever that aesthetic may translate into, that's what I want to create at the end of the day. Like that space should be a sustainable space in that sense.
0: I like that we're using the word sustainable and thoughtful in very similar contexts here Mm -hmm. because that's what you would want out of your space. You want both of those things separately, but together when you're thinking about thoughtful design, it should inherently be sustainable design. And you mentioned, you know, when you're thinking about the time you're putting into building a beautiful space, the renovation, the materials, all of this does add up over time. And there's, of course, an environmental impact. But when you think about the person also in that context, it's a large lift. Even if you are working with a professional, like emotionally, you have to really invest yourself into a space to get exactly what you want out of it.
1: Totally. And like, that's part of my job, right? Like part of my job is this is the architecture that I want to do, the spaces that I want to build. It's like being a therapist, but visually. It's helping you understand how you live in your space and then helping you express that and build that into a space. That's how it should be because I've heard of so many designers, architects who do what they want to do and then they kind of force it onto their clients and it's not your space. So at the end of the day, like this person is probably going to end up tearing it down. Like you're forcing something onto another person. It's
0: like a hairstylist doing whatever they want with your cut when you're like, oh, do whatever you want. And then it's like something that you would never maintain on a regular basis. Like you have to really think about your lifestyle, making those decisions. Totally. Totally. I would love to talk about the true like environmental and sustainability aspects of your work. Yeah.
1: I just feel like in the architecture and construction industry, it's not talked about enough. It accounts for, I think 90% of like the wastage in the world or something like that, but it's a lot. Point is it's a lot and it's, it's actually one of the highest, but for some reason it really is not talked about because people almost feel like it's inevitable, right? Because it's such a huge industry and it's a big part of the economy. But like there is a way in which, at least I believe, and that's what I'm preaching too, to do this sustainably. And again, that starts from the root of it. Going back to like what we do with these houses that we develop, it's about finding that sweet spot between preservation and renovation. And what that means, we now have our own construction team to be able to execute the design in the way that we want to, and they know exactly how we work. And what that means is that there are times when we have to come to a decision about whether or not we want to preserve something because it's going to take so much longer. I'll give you an example. This wood that was painted on, it was, it was a really beautiful wall of wood and it was painted on. We want to sand it down because we wanted to preserve it and we wanted to bring it back to its original state but it's been painted on multiple layers. So someone came in, they are like, we don't like this wood and then painted on it. And then another person was like, I don't know what to do with it. And then they painted another layer. So our workers were like, that's very inefficient. We we're going to take so many days having to sand this down. We could just replace it or stick like another layer. That is a super unsustainable decision. And much easier, but like unsustainable. If we were fighting for time, we were fighting for profits, we were fighting for all of these things that would have been the way to go. And I'm sure that would have been the way to go for many other developers. But yeah, it was really important to make decisions like that, to be able to save what we can. I'm not saying like preserve the entire thing as is, but to be able to make decisions like that and not be rushed by like external pressures like that.
0: I feel like there's also so much cool innovation and technology going on in the actual construction space for a lot of industries, not just in residential architecture or commercial, but even thinking about like physical infrastructure of how cities are building bridges mm-hmm. and things like that. There's so much interesting innovation going on with building materials. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about that. I'm thinking specifically like concrete is a really harsh material on the mm-hmm. environment, has a lot of emissions associated with it. But even things like windows and you know and the tiles that we use in our kitchen backsplashes and all of those little things, there's so mm-hmm. much cool innovation going on. Totally, totally. There are
1: so many things going on. I recently saw that people are trying to use mycelium as like a building material, which is super cool. In the first place, in terms of preference, the building material that I always prefer, always organic, because there's something about organic materials that create a patina. So as it ages over time, it actually adds to the element of design. And then we bring it back to the whole idea of building something that's built to evolve, right? Not just built to last. And I always give this analogy where it's like fermentation and food, like it's aging, it's an aging process. So when you use an organic material for architecture, you don't know what's going to happen. 50 years, you'll be left with like a surprise and it becomes part of the design. And so that is an evolved version of the design. So you built the space to evolve, basically. And I love that. The idea of going in that direction, even right now, people are like experimenting with mycelium, right? As like a building material or like other things. But also in, for example, things like tiles, like when we mentioned tiles, it all comes down to like the company itself. I think that I don't believe in things happening so quickly for the sake of efficiency. So even tiles, right, it can have an environmental impact if the company is just producing, 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 producing versus if it was like made to order. So it's things like that that I think about when I'm ordering furniture. Am I ordering from a place that is like they have a ton of stuff at the warehouse and eventually everything gets thrown away? So it's keeping all these things in mind. Like I also always suggest to my clients to custom build things because even though that's slightly more expensive, you get exactly what you want. And it is also again, built for you more sustainable in that way. Like, you know, you're not just supporting a company that has like a giant warehouse of things that are going to get thrown away.
0: Interesting. I like the idea of custom building furniture, Because it really speaks back to what you were saying about knowing the person that's living in the space and making sure that it works exactly for their lifestyle and that it can grow with them. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if there's any like sustainable either construction or design choices that you really like to advocate for and your clients tend to really enjoy. Yeah, I
1: think for sure. If we are talking about sustainability, I want to advocate like what we talked about, which is the root in itself. Like I think the attitude, the philosophy in which you're approaching the design is so important. Like If you approach it sustainably already, means you're building for the future, then you would take your time with it. You know this is a space that you're actually going to live in for a long time, or you care about who the next user is at the very least that part for sure. And then the other part is also like what we talked about with just picking materials that are more organic. And even in terms of design, like just aesthetically, I actually like it a lot more. Like aesthetically, it's more pleasing. As human beings, we are really drawn to nature. We have a relationship with nature that's inherent. I grew up in the city my whole life, but it doesn't mean that like, I don't have this relationship with nature. I do. It's just untapped. And so generally we are kind of more inclined and more attracted to things that resemble nature. When you use organic materials like that, like you feel more comfortable in your own home without even realizing it.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of perhaps like textured walls like that for for me immediately feels more organic than something Mm -hmm. really slick and Mm -hmm. sterile. I'm thinking of like a hospital versus where you would be truly comfortable And so when you say organic elements, is it things like texture and colors, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. or is it quite literally like organic construction materials? Both. So it could be like linens, right? It could
1: be like these recycled linens or something that has that feeling. Even colors, the color scheme and your choice of material like wood. We all generally feel more warmth and inclination towards wood.
0: Of course. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So it's materials as well as those more design elements, which I really appreciate. Are there any home design trends going on right now that you really love or really hate? I'd love to explore the two extremes with you. Right. Yeah. In the first place, like
1: I feel like the word trends is such a dangerous thing. That in itself Mm -hmm. is super unsustainable right? Yeah. Like how many times have you bought like a fashion item that was trendy and then no longer trendy? But then at the end of the day, there are some fashion items that that were trendy and then they weren't trendy anymore, but you kept them and then they ended up being trendy again. So it's like that in itself. Okay, cool. That item that you bought was quote unquote sustainable, right? In terms of design. So there are some trends that I really love that I feel like are pushing us in the right direction of like where I hope design will go and I think this trend is about like more like Japanese Scandinavian design or neutrals and Venetian plastered walls stuff like that and the reason why I think like it pushes us in the direction that I would like is it's advocating for simplicity and for something more minimal and I love that because it's sustainable that's actually where I believe a design is sustainable where it, it doesn't excite you like you're not at a 90 you're not at 100 like you're at a like a really good level of quote-unquote good enough like the space is good enough like it calms you it keeps you at bay and that is the kind of feeling, like even in life, right? That's that's a feeling, that's a level that you know is sustainable for the future. Like that's something that you can feel every single day. You can't feel a, like ecstasy every single day, like that, or insane stress every single day. That's not sustainable. So in terms of design, when something's like attention grabbing and let's say the trend was brightly colored walls or something that you already know is really attention grabbing. Like, I know that's not a sustainable trend. Like you would be bored of that in like a couple months.
0: It's not so much about trendiness, but longevity with your personality. It sounds like, yeah, like exactly that. Like sustainability. Like I think that's like building for the future. Mm -hmm. I love that. trend I suppose that I'm seeing that I really love that's one design element that I think perhaps you may love but I'd love to get your take on it is those kind of uneven tiles that people are putting either in bathrooms or on backsplashes and a lot of the time they're handmade and they're all a little yeah um, they're all a little unique yeah they're very personal and some I've seen them in neutrals and I've seen them in bright colors but I love the idea of hand-done tiles because they're personal but can also be very long-term Absolutely. Or the way that you choose to do them.
1: Absolutely. I love artisanal elements like that. That's like the personality that gets injected into a space.
0: I have one question around personality spaces. We spoke about neutrals and the way that we can long-term interact with spaces. I feel like perhaps you may have a great perspective having lived in a lot of different places. Culturally, there are very interesting home styles or trends that we may see where like in some countries we have very brightly colored tiles or classic Greece of white buildings and Mm -hmm. blue roofs. And the way that these sort of communities come together around cultural and kind of very personal design styles, I feel like is also really interesting. So I'd love to talk a little bit about perhaps like home styles that you really are inspired by internationally? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I think
1: that there is something to take from a reasonable culture. I think that sometimes like people reject certain styles because it's different and it's just our bodily response to change, right? Like we, because it's different, we don't like it. But I think that you also need to understand that if things have stood the test of time for this long then there must be something good about it. There must be some merits that you can bring to contemporary times. My trip to Japan was actually one of the most pivotal trips of my life, actually. Like it was defining for my career and for who I am today. So with that said, I love Japanese culture and I love Japanese design. And of course, like People may argue that I view it on the surface, but it's about the takeaway that I get from there, right? And with Japanese design, like, I really like that everything is so detail-oriented. Like, it may seem really simple from the outside, but everything's done with so much thought, When I went to Japan in 2016, I really delved into the culture and looked at the architecture in a way that I could appreciate when I didn't before was just like life changing for me, because I don't know why it's almost like this connection where it like really spoke to me. And I was so inspired by that trip. And that's exactly the way I wanted to live my life. And basically built these spaces. And what I really like again was fundamentally the root of the design itself. Everything was done for something bigger than just, oh this is my design. This is my artwork. This is what I want to do. I always felt like they were doing something with the integrity of the act of doing it itself. So the most important thing about these architects was that I want to build a really good space. And that was what, that was their conviction. Nothing drove them. And I found that philosophy to be true in a lot of other occupations as well. For example, if someone was a barista, his desire to make the best cup of coffee was just, it surpasses like wanting to be the manager of the coffee shop, you know, like it was about the act of making it itself. Like they felt committed to that act. I really saw that even in the architecture, like it was completely translated. And I felt like I was in such awe of the way they were doing things. And it came so much from the heart that I just decided that's exactly how I want to live my life too.
0: That felt very personal and reflective. And thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. Just in our last couple of minutes together, if you were to leave the audience, someone who is Looking to refresh their relationship with their space. They're not necessarily building a new space. They're living somewhere where they are comfortable, but not extremely overjoyed about being in. What would be some takeaway tips for that person?
1: I think that with every aspect of your life, like especially with the space that you're living in, which is your environment, right? It's such a big component. I think you should be thriving. Like, I don't believe that you should just be surviving. You should always be thriving and everywhere in all of these aspects of your life. And so if you're just cruising, then I think it's time to make a change. And I think the first step is to basically think about how you're using the space and really delve deep and think about what this space means to you. How are you interacting with it? How would you like to interact with it? What do you like? What do you not like? And have all of these things really be about you and not about what's trendy. It's going to really be about what you like and try to avoid all of the social media and what people are telling you you should like. And then once you find that relationship out between you and your space, then you can start from there. Then you start the research process. Whether that means like hiring a designer to figure that out with you, or that means like DIYing, but even DIYing, I would highly recommend getting a professional, especially when it comes to certain things like flooring and like tiles, because you don't, you don't want that added stress. This is supposed to be like a a nice fun little exercise. Like it shouldn't stress you out.
0: Is there something in your space, in the space where you live and think about these philosophies every day that you think more people should include in their spaces?
1: I like things that are sentimental. I just like things that basically have meaning. So again, it's like, I didn't want to use the word thoughtful again, but I like things that are like thoughtfully designed and like have meaning, whether it is, just to me, or the way that it is built, or the object itself. I don't mind paying for something that I know I'm going to be very happy with it for a long time. And so sometimes that's about just taking a step back and evaluating whether or not you really want this item. And if you do, then you go for it. And I think people should go for like quality craftsmanship when that happens. Versus just trying to go to, I don't know, like something fast and unsustainable $2 store or something. Like you really could go ham thinking you need everything.
0: I talk a lot about conscious consumption on this show. And a lot of the time it's through the lens of fashion. Mm-hmm. And when people are trying to break away from fast fashion and encouraging folks to just think more deeply about those purchases of, am I going to have this for a mm-hmm. long time? Is this high quality, etc. But it's really helpful once you've reached some level of comfort in that thought around one element of your life, be it fashion, to be able to evolve and share that with other elements like home design, like what you are bringing into your home, not just even the physical design, but how you are filling these spaces of like, mm-hmm, is this mm-hmm. a couch I can have for totally. more than a couple totally. years or is it like such totally. poor quality that I'm going to want to throw it out? Totally. So thinking deeply about those purchases and how yeah. you're interacting with those items over time is important.
1: Yeah. I would say for me that would be like Akari lamps.
0: Oh, oh my god, those are beautiful. Yes. I mean, people yeah. like fight for their lives to get those lamps. Those are beautiful.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I would see them with me, whether I move from like space to space. And yeah, like they're so versatile too. Like you could just put them anywhere. They were like a form of art.
0: Yeah. And they're kind art of hard. pricey, yeah. right?
1: But like it's like to me, that's the kind of quality craftsmanship that I was talking about.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And there's something kind of fun about gamifying, I suppose, like how you're filling your space. Like I was saying, people fight for their lives to get these lamps. It's like this anticipation of when am I going to be able to put my name on a wait list? When am I going to be able Mm -hmm. to like buy into that next drop? And it creates this very personal relationship with the item where you value it so much more because Mm -hmm. you had to really think about that purchase and you had to really go out of your way to be able to do it. Totally. That's how you know you want it. That's how you know you want it. That's exactly what I was going to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally like that's the thing right sometimes I know that's the tip that people like give if you want something then like walk away from it if you're still thinking about it you're going out of your way again
0: to go and buy it
1: then you must really want it.
0: Exactly that's a really good tip to leave off with and a really good example of how people can think more mm-hmm. deeply about their spaces. Amanda thank you so much for joining me today I've had a lot of fun and I've learned so much from you.
1: Thank you thank you so much I had a lot of fun too.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amanda Gunawan of OWIU Design. Again, I know that I really enjoyed it. I found a lot of value in the conversation. And it felt really different from conversations that we've had in the past because it's not just about how you are purchasing an item or purchasing a home or moving into a home. It's really about thinking more deeply about how you're evolving and growing with a space. And I feel like, again, the topics of mindfulness and sustainability go hand in hand, especially in this context. So I feel like I gained a lot from this. I learned a lot and made me very introspective and reflective. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, make sure to rate and review the show. Double check that you're subscribed wherever you are listening to this. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you are, just double check. I bet you already are. And it really helps me out if you share the show with a friend, so you can share it in the group chat, share it with your mom, put it on your Instagram story, but just tell one person about Eco Chic today. That's my only request from you today. With that, thank you so much for tuning in. Do not forget about the episode 200 Chic Shots Callin. If you want to chat with me about anything at all you find as a creative sustainability tip, my email is down below. You can get in touch with me on Instagram and we'll schedule that call. And with that, I hope you have a really fabulous day. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.